eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, Steve Sparky Fiber, 1250 AM, the fans. C Sparky Fiber with you, along with our guy Chris Monter, of course, of College Basketball News and Monter Draft News. You can follow him on Twitter at College BB News. Normally, our guy Nathan Marzian with us, kind of doing like a draft show, I guess uh, you could say. Uh, we're recording this a little bit earlier in the week as I'm in St. Louis for the rest of the week. So uh, you'll hear this a little bit later in the week as we're recording it uh, on Monday. I, I want to first get into this, Chris Monter. Uh, before we go any further, you and I have known each other for a long time. I think we met at like an NBA combine years ago. Me and my buddy Mike Maxey uh, from back in the day uh, were down to the NBA draft combine. I kind of always just stayed in touch. Used to have you on there all the time uh, right. when we were doing our shows on uh, on the fan and all that fun stuff. So you've been doing it a long time. In, in your yeah. opinion, how has the athlete or the game kind of changed with the kids you're seeing now versus the kids you were seeing when you kind of started this whole thing? Yeah, I was actually looking at the other day. The 1990 draft was kind of the first one I kind of covered fairly closely. I went down to uh, the Orlando Classic. It was called it was a camp for the top seniors, and they had a player. I don't know if you remember Willie Burton. Oh who yeah, played at University played of Minnesota, heat, right? Yeah, and I did some writing for some uh, Minnesota Gopher publication back in the day. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk to him, meet some people. My first job actually out of college was working for the Detroit Pistons in their sales and marketing. But oh. I kind of knew I wanted to do other things. So I went back and got my master's degree in sports management from Western Illinois University. Go Leathernecks. I got uh, one for well, you. Western yeah. Illinois University, real quick. Uh, my dad got a dog, this was years ago, for his 40th birthday. And it was from a bulldog breeder in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. <laughs> yep. And it was the son of the mascot at that time for Western Illinois. Oh, wow. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, All right, I, go ahead. so I went back to school and got my master's. And then um, there was a gentleman who was doing a newsletter about the NBA draft. And I said, hey, it'd be kind of fun to run into you, maybe pick your brain, and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, to be honest, I don't go to any of the camps. And when I got to meet some of the general managers and scouts at the event, a lot of them said, to be honest, what we base a lot of stuff on back then, especially in 1990 when, you know, games weren't on cable and every game was on TV was these camps. And that year I actually looked it up the other day of the 27 first round picks. How many do you think were seniors? How many would you guess? Well, this 1990 we're saying 1990. Yes. Oh, so probably more than, uh, well, no, cause we had high school kids that were eligible too. The, there weren't high school kids then. There weren't? 
1994 was the first year. Okay. 95 was the first so year. So well, then I bet you it's a lot more then. So yeah. I'll say 20. 25. Oof. So pretty much everybody in that draft was a senior. The only two that weren't were Chris Jackson uh, from Denver and then Dennis Scott from Georgia Tech. Chris so, Jackson became Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Yeah. Right. So it just shows you how the draft has changed. And then, of course, like I said, in 1994, I went to the uh, Nike All-American camp in Deerfield, uh, Illinois, where the Chicago Bulls had the Birdo Center. And the funny thing about that one, it was one of the, the Nike camp, but it was only open to scouts. There were no college coaches there. And there weren't many people in attending, just the families. And I sat by this woman every day, and finally we started talking for a while, and it turned out it was Kevin Garnett's mom. And I nice. mentioned that it was a writer. And, and I go, I, and she goes, oh, I've always wanted to be a writer. And I go, I bet you'd have some crazy stories to tell. And she goes, yeah, you wouldn't believe half of them. And then, of course, high school player, Kevin Garnett was the fifth pick. And then, of course, you had Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, you know, a lot of players who went directly from high school to the NBA without going to college at all. So I went to a lot of high school events. So, the, you know, then you had the Florida explosion. Now you look, you know, players like Luka Doncic and Giannis, obviously, uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, a lot of the great players in the league are foreign players. So the draft just from 1990 to 2003, you know, now the number of seniors drafted, you can count on one hand and usually, you know, using only one or two fingers. So the draft has changed. It's a lot of freshmen. And now you have like the overtime elite and the G league and things like that. So yeah, the draft has definitely changed. And obviously the game has changed so much, you know, where before, you know, NBA didn't want guys that wanted to shoot threes who were big guys, you know, they wanted their big guys to play inside. So, you know, the, the draft obviously has changed quite a bit. Still a lot of hits, still a lot of misses, despite all the research and time spent on on these players. But it's kind of fun just looking back, like I said, at that first draft that I went to and attended, and then the next year I started doing a newsletter. So did a newsletter starting at 1991. Of course, obviously the internet changed things. Yep. And now there's so much stuff that's out there that's free. But uh, yeah, the, the draft definitely has changed things. And you look at you know most of the teams in the league you know, that are successful, it's through the draft. You know, you look at, you know, Milwaukee, you know, they make trades, getting players like Holiday and free agency with Lopez and Middleton and things like that. But, you know, Giannis was the player that helped them win a title. You look at, you know, other teams either making deals on draft day, you know, Kobe to the Lakers, you know, a lot of the great players throughout the league are players that were draft. You know, Jokic was the 41st pick in his draft. You know, you look at Miami with Bam, you know, was a player that they drafted, you know. So uh, obviously you can build teams through other ways, but I think, you know, the draft is a cheap and expensive way, especially if you're a team like Milwaukee that has salary cap issues with a, only a second-round pick. And to be honest, not a lot of picks in the next couple of years. You know, you'd love to find a player in that late second round this year, especially, who could either be a project who you develop over years or it could be maybe a senior who maybe can step in a little more quickly than maybe a young player who's going to need a little more a little more time to develop. And I want to talk about some of those players that might be there around uh, the end of the second round that might be of interest to the Bucs. Got to talk about Prosper and Marquette. I think he'll end up being late first. But either way, we'll get to him too. Before I do that, I've got numerous things running through my brain as you were talking about different scenarios that I want to follow up on. The first thing I want to follow up on is you went through the freshmen straight into the NBA. Now we've watched uh, them having to sit out a year and then come into the NBA there's a lot of talk of wanting to go back to that, uh, allowing high schoolers into the NBA uh, versus having them play their freshman year. I don't think Silver will ever allow that to occur again. Having said that, do you think that's something they should go back to? Or do you think that basketball with those high schoolers kind of hurt the game more than it helped the game? 
Yeah, see, I always thought when they made that rule, I didn't like it from the get-go. I always thought you should have kids be there two years, but still be able to go to come straight from the high school ranks. He's like I said, you look at Kevin Garnett, Jermaine O'Neal, you know, Dwight Howard, LeBron James, you know, Kobe Bryant. Those are great, great players. You know, a lot of those are or will be all, you know, Hall of Fame players. Uh, so I just felt like if you're good enough to make the jump, you should be able to do that. I just thought like football where you have to play three years and baseball, you can be drafted out of high school, but once you go to college, you can't be drafted to your junior. I thought having a two-year role back then made more sense because then you wouldn't have kids leaving after one year. You'd know that you're there two years. Because even now, if you're a great uh, high school player who goes to college for one year, I'm assuming every day you probably get asked 10, day, you know, 10 times a day by different students or whoever, teachers or whatever, uh, in college, are you going to turn pro? Are you going to turn sure. pro? You know, that would... To me, that would be super annoying. Uh, but I feel like, you know, that way you know that the player is going to be there for two years. And I think, unfortunately, it's kind of hurt the college game a little bit because it's so hard to follow, you know, your top, your your favorite teams because you know the good players are only going to be there for a year. And I feel like, you look at, you know, I look at Kentucky. You know, they've had great players, a lot of McDonald's All-Americans, but two in the last seven years, they haven't even made the tournament. North Carolina, you know, was the preseason pick to win it all. They didn't make the tournament. Duke, a few years ago, didn't make the tournament yet they get pretty much any player they want. And I feel like, you know, you want to have those great players obviously come in, but sometimes you wonder about the chemistry and how well that works. You look at that great Kentucky team a few years ago, Wisconsin beat them, you know, uh, you know, and that team was loaded with talent, you know, with Carl Anthony Towns, Kevin Booker, et cetera. And and maybe having that experience, having those three and four, uh, five, and now even sometimes six year players at different schools because of the COVID year, uh, you know, maybe that helps. So I think it's kind of hurt the college game. And again, you know, if LeBron James came out in this year, would you say, hey, you're, to be honest, you're going to have to go to college for a year or go to the G League for a year? I just think that seems kind of silly. Next question that I got from that answer previous uh, was Miami got a bunch of undrafted dudes playing well, helping them get to the NBA finals, the whole deal. What about this draft? Because you, you see teams training second-round picks like they just do not give a damn about a second-round pick at this point. You've pointed out the successes that we've had come out of the second round. From the Bucks standpoint, Luke Richard, Bob Mute, Michael Red. I mean, I can go down the list of guys. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon. A lot of second-round guys that were really good for the Milwaukee Bucks. This regime doesn't really care, and they're trading second-round picks because, again, it's win-now mode, right? So it makes sense. Do you think we'll get to a point of either, A, we end up just seeing a single round, of the NBA draft and we move on from two rounds, or do you think we'll get to a point where this draft gets expanded to maybe three rounds from two rounds to allow more players to get drafted and have a chance? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I look at maybe differently than teams. I, I don't understand why teams trade second round picks. I mean, Me obviously either. you're not going to get, you're not going to hit on a lot of these guys. And to be honest, you know, only about half of them sometimes even make the league, but if I'm a team, you know, I don't understand why a team has anybody 11, 12, 13, 14, 15th man making big, big money. You know, you could probably find a younger player, and that's what obviously Miami has done with Max Drews and, and a lot of those players that Gabe Vincent that they developed. And obviously they worked with him. And I think the G League has been good to allow these players to develop. But, yeah, I don't want a player that makes a lot of money being a player that's not going to play on my team. And I feel like a lot of times you could get, you know, maybe not quite the same level, but fairly comparable player who's undrafted or a second round pick. And you look at, you know, like Draymond Green, I think is a great example. He was a player, you know, who played at Michigan State, you know, played in a tough conference, obviously played in the tournament, played a lot of uh, big non-conference games and and was ready to step in more quickly. I think a lot of those 
seniors because everybody wants the young players they're worried about you know that second contract and i always sometimes think well yeah but if you're not good you're not going to get that second contract or it's not going to be what you think so i i look at it totally different like you said i feel like you can find a lot of good players in that second round who are very quality players and even undrafted players ben wallace you know, was one of the best rebounders in the league shot blocker back in the Detroit days. You look at Brad Miller, a Purdue player who played for Sacramento and a few other teams, was a multi-time all-star. So I feel like you're right. I look at it differently. I feel like sometimes, you know, you're you're really relying on your core players, but you're going to need other players around them. And why not take a player in the second round who you hope can develop? And like you said, you've, you've, they've had a lot of hits with players like Michael Redd and Malcolm Brogdon, et cetera. Let's talk about this draft coming up uh, and get your thoughts on uh, where the Bucks are picking some guys in that area. Uh, before we do that, this draft is top three heavy, it appears. The top three players, nobody's disputing who the top three players are. Once we get past the top three, how good is this draft? Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest question, Mark, because you look at this draft and it's very, very likely that the top 10 picks will either be freshmen or a foreign player who uh, we all know is going to be the the first pick in Victor, Victor Wembanyama. So I think that's the question. And again, how many of those players are going to be ready to step in? Because to be honest, if you're drafted in the lottery, typically you're drafted by a team that, especially in those high teams, you know, San Antonio, Charlotte, Houston, Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, Washington, all those teams were in the lottery last year. So you've got to hit on these picks. Uh, and that's the tough part about the NBA or really any league. If you're kind of in that middle or, or if you're not bad enough, it's sometimes hard to get out of that mix of being in the lottery every year. I look at Minnesota, you know, we had the 15 years in a row where they didn't make the playoffs, you know, and Sacramento, of course, snapped their long streak. I think it was 16 years of not being in the playoffs. And that's one of the problems in this league is you either want to be really good or really bad. And, and you don't want to be in that middle. And, you know, I think they've done some things. I wasn't super crazy when they announced the, the play-in game strategy a couple of years ago. I was wondering, but to be honest, I've actually been a pretty big fan of that one. I think that one's helped because now you're not maybe seeing quite as many teams tanking. Uh, obviously, we still had a lot maybe this year because there was such a good prize in Wembenyama, who's thought to be, you know, uh, a decade-type player, once-in-a-decade player. So, uh, but again, I think this, like you said, I think Wembenyama, Brandon Miller, and, and Scoot Henderson are going to be the top three picks. But you're right. After that, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of young players. And again, they're going to teams that kind of need somebody to step in fairly quickly. And the question is, can those players really be impact type players? And that's the big question mark I would have about this draft. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We talk about uh, local guys here in Wisconsin uh, that people get excited for. Prosper is a guy that I didn't think would 
declare for the draft. I was kind of surprised that he did because I was looking at Marquette going, boy, as good as they were last year with everybody coming back and they all pretty much were coming back, they'd be even better next year. Then he declares, and I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't hire an agent. He's going to see how this goes. But then he plays really well. They wanted the combine and then says, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to back myself right out of this. There's only place I can go is down, which I think was a smart move. In the NFL draft, you have guys that are those hot names coming out of a combine, workout warriors or whatever you call it. Uh, and I don't know if there's as many hits as there are misses when you have those type of players exploding onto the scene during the combine. What is that like for the NBA with their combine and these games that they play? Is there a type of a, type of a history that you can remember of guys kind of really blowing up their potential and, and going from second round to maybe first round picks like Prosper uh, and then either working or not working out once they get to the league? Yeah, somewhat. Uh, I remember the one example is similar to what you were saying with Prosper was Jamal Crawford. He played at the Chicago oh, yeah. pre draft camp way back in the day. And I remember talking to him and, and supposedly he had an ankle injury and uh, I said, oh, how's your ankle? He goes, oh, it's fine. <laughs> you know? yeah. But he played so well, and he ended up being the eighth pick that year. You know, that's the funny thing is I always – I play, used to play. I don't play it as much anymore now with, after COVID and getting a little bit older and not wanting to get hurt anymore. But, you know, most of the players I've ever played with always think they're 100 times better than they are. And I always th- question the player, like – or I know a lot of times it's the agent speaking for the player, but you, know, you always hear, oh, he doesn't want to hurt his stock. It's like, well, if you're afraid of playing against guys that – you know, the top players don't even play in these things anyway. If you're afraid of playing against the secondary players, you know, guys who are maybe later first-round picks or second-round picks or underactive players, what's going to happen when you play against, you know, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, et cetera? I always thought – I would look at it the other way. I was like, hey, if I kick butt – you know, I can be a higher pick. I, you know, I never understood why players look at it the negative side. Like, oh, if I play poorly. I remember one year I was down at the Portsmouth Invitational, Chris Quinn, and I remember that name. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Chris Quinn is a guy I wanted the Bucks to hire uh, yeah. once they interviewed him, and that obviously didn't happen. So, right. But at the Portsmouth Invitational, he was 2 of 22 from the field. Didn't get drafted that year, but played, you know, for the Heat for a few years in the league. And I was thought, well, as long as you don't go 2 of 23 from the, from the field at the Portsmouth Invitation or one of these pre-draft camps, I feel like you have a chance to be drafted because he played about as poorly as you could, you know, and still stuck around in the league, you know. Hopefully teams are smart enough to realize, hey, this is a three-day event where you're playing with guys you've never played against or, or with, and you're you're playing against guys that want to showcase their skills and not your skills. So I like to think NBA people are smart enough to realize, hey, everybody's capable of having a bad experience. You know, the one thing I've always heard a lot of NBA scouts say is, Sometimes they don't like it when their coaches go to these events because, say, a kid all of a sudden who was kind of an average player all of a sudden blows up, you know, at a combine. Then that coach thinks, oh, this guy's the greatest thing ever, where some of the scouts have seen this kid, you know, 10, 20, 30 times throughout his career or more, you know, and they know more about him. But yet sometimes you see a coach, you know, think, hey, we got to have this guy. He was great, you know, when I saw him that one time. So uh, you're right. I, I think, you know, the, the, the combines can be helpful, another tool. But I sometimes think sometimes even when we see that with the NFL, you know, a player, you know, can bench press 25 times, you know, 250 pounds. He runs a 4440 and he, he blows up and yet maybe doesn't have the skills, you know, to play. I remember a player, Minnesota drafted years ago, Troy Williamson. They were trying to replace Randy Moss and Troy Williamson ran like a 429 40 and the problem was he couldn't catch the ball you know so it wasn't you know he was the seventh pick but yet 
you know, he looked great in the, the combines and, you know, all the skills things. But when it came to just catching the ball, he kind of struggled. So sometimes the camps are important. But again, I think you need to look at them as just one piece of the puzzle. So you saw Prosper obviously play for Marquette. Do you think he's first round worthy, end of first round worthy, like some are saying he might be? Yeah, I think maybe. I think I would maybe more a second rounder. But again, you know, the, the team's also bringing the players for their own individual workouts. And that's another key thing that can maybe help him raise his stock. You know, again, I'm looking at it. If you're a team drafting, say, in the late first round, you're kind of looking for a player because you're probably a playoff team. Although this year, to be honest, the draft is so crazy because you look how many picks have been traded. You know, you look at a, a team like Indiana has a high first round pick, but a, uh, the 26th pick. Charlotte has the second pick, but the 27th pick. Minnesota, Minnesota traded their pick to Utah, who has three first round picks. So the Sheesh. draft's kind of crazy this year because of all, all the trades that have happened. Houston has a high pick plus the 20th pick. So... Some of the, I think the draft will be a little bit different because if you're a team normally, a playoff team drafting in the 20s, you're looking for somebody that can help you maybe get a little farther. You're looking for more of an experienced guy where this year, because so many teams, to be honest, wouldn't normally be drafting there if they didn't have a, a trade, they might be looking for younger players. So that maybe could cause you know a player who's not a, a, a freshman or a G League type player to maybe fall a little bit in the draft when normally those players who have a little bit more college experience would be ideal for a team that was in the playoffs last year. Talk with Chris Monter, College Basketball News, Monter Draft News. Follow him on Twitter at College BB News. Don't forget, Green and Growing Podcast, recorded a couple times a week. Nathan Marzian and myself can download those on Tuesday mornings uh, as well as on Friday mornings each and every week. Uh, Nathan Marzian off today. Uh, but he'll be back uh, again next week as well. Uh, and again, download it on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast from time to time, we'll throw some of these up on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. All right, let's talk about where the Bucks are. The Bucks are sitting there, you know, second round, not in a high second round pick necessarily uh, by any standards, but in the second round. So they at least have a pick. Will they keep that pick? Who knows? Let's say they keep the pick and they draft where they're supposed to draft. Uh, give me some guys that you think might be fits uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks at this point, not international guys that they're going to store overseas. Well, there is definitely the possibility of that because yes. of you know salary cap ramifications and yep. wanting to save money. And like you said, uh, they don't have many picks over the next four years because of the New Orleans trade and some other moves that they made. Uh, the P.J. Tucker trade, which is the reason they don't have that first round pick. I'm sure if you ask them, they, they were happy with that move because it helped them. Yep. You know, to win a title, but you know, obviously, it, it's hard to rebuild this team in the future. And you obviously have some questions about the future of Middleton, Lopez, etc. So, you're right. When you're drafting, technically 60th, uh, two teams, Chicago and Philadelphia, have had to forfeit their picks. So you're basically really picking the 58th best player. Uh, you know, again, I, I think this draft is deep enough that you can get a player. You know, is it going to be a player that's going to be a rotation player? Probably not. But if you can get somebody maybe who is a senior or a junior, maybe somebody who's maybe a little bit more ready to play than maybe a, a younger player. Because, I, you know, again, you know, are they going to take a freshman who's not really going to help them? You know, this is a team that obviously thought they'd still be playing right this week. Uh, and parts of they got upset and knocked out in the first round. So they're looking to get back to that same level. So. The question is, do you take a younger player who maybe isn't going to help you, or do you get somebody who could at least be a rule player coming off the bench? I would assume they're going to go with an older player, right? I'm assuming That's they're going to go with a, with a senior-type uh, player. Are there any senior-type players that are out there that are wing defenders, like a 3-and-D wing, 
uh, or a center because Brooke Lopez isn't getting any younger. We all assume they're going to resign him. Uh, Myers Leonard is obviously still there. Uh, I, I think uh, either a big, like a, a backup center type dude, uh, or a three and D type wing I, would be my guess. This would be where they would go. Yeah, again, I think with wing players, maybe a Jordan Miller, a six seven kind of bigger shooting guard, a Keontae Johnson. You might remember he was in yep. Florida, had the heart issues, but had a very good year at Kansas State. Uh, Adam Flagler's a name, maybe a good shooter from Baylor, good defender in Baylor. You know, you have to play good defense if you're going to play uh, for Coach Drew. Kind of true. Maybe yep. a, maybe a Jalen Pickett who had a big year, uh, a former transfer from Siena at Penn State was a all conference selection, the big 10, maybe a lot of your listeners, maybe a Jalen Wilson, although I don't know if he falls that far from Kansas had a big part of their success last year, winning a national title. He's a player. He's probably a second round pick. So again, some names that maybe you've heard of because of, you know, playing in college. And again, like you said, I think they're more than likely going to go for an experienced player, probably a junior or senior rather than a freshman. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, Green Grog Podcast, you are uh, in Minnesota, uh, and you are right in the middle of uh, the recruiting wheel there. You see a ton of high school basketball there, all the different colleges trying to come in and pick guys out of the high school basketball world. Uh, what about Marquette and Wisconsin uh, for your neck of the woods? Yeah, uh, obviously, I live in Lakeville, which is a south suburb of the Twin Cities, and a lot of people call that Wisconsin, a suburb of Wisconsin here because they've picked up a lot of players, Tyler Wall, Nate Reavers. Uh, They have another talent player, Nolan Wincher, who will be an incoming freshman. I think will be a very good player. His father uh, played, Trevor played basketball at Minnesota. His mother, uh, also Heidi, uh, played volleyball in Minnesota, so I think a lot of Gopher fans were excited about the possibility of playing there, but he was very impressed with Wisconsin. I think the relationship that he had with Coach Gard, Coach Kravinoff was big, and the fact that, to be honest, they have a little bit of a pipeline here. And then Jack Robeson, uh, who I've gotten to know very well, is uh, will be a senior this year, very good shooter. Um, he's from Lakeville North again, and then they just got a commitment recently from Daniel Freetag, who played at Bloomington and Jefferson, very good football player as well as a basketball player. He's going to play at a prep school in California, uh, but I think all those players will be great fits for Wisconsin. And I give Wisconsin a lot of credit. They kind of jumped on those players, offered them first. I remember doing a story on uh, Robeson like a few days after he got the offer a couple of summers ago. And, you know, they were the first school to really recruit him. And, and I think that was big. Uh, Marquette doesn't really recruit Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota quite as well, uh, much. But uh, obviously, you know, they've had some players when you look at some. Uh, some of the plastic success that they've had at that school. So, and, and again, they had great success. I think they 
maybe overachieved, maybe isn't the right word, but I don't think people thought they were going to be as good as they were this past year, even probably Marquette fans. But I think Coach Smart and his staff have done a great job not only recruiting the Midwest area, but I think Marquette's a school that still has kind of a name outside uh, the Midwest because of the time in the Big East. Go back to free take for a second. I'm trying to figure something out here. So why go play at this prep school in California if you've got your D1 school all lined up? Like, in my mind, I'm going to play at a prep school because I'm trying to get Kentucky to notice me or I'm trying to get Duke to notice me. That's why I'm going there because I'm not getting the exposure I think I deserve because I'm that damn good. So I'm going to go play at a prep school in Florida or California or wherever and try and get more on the national map. He's already jumped in and said, hey, I'm going to Wisconsin. And trust me, Badger fans were beyond elated and ec- ecstatic that they were able to land him. I think everybody's ecstatic about uh, being able to get him committed uh, at this point. But why still go? Okay, you're committed. Why, why move now? I mean, that's that's across the damn country for Minnesota. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is a little bit of a question mark. I haven't asked him that per se. I did congratulate him uh, via text when he committed. I've gotten to know him. I think I was the first person to ever do a story on him. And the other thing, there was some concern about from some basketball schools about him having the ability to maybe play at a high level in college football, you know, Minnesota offered him Notre Dame uh, has a lot of talent there has had some injury issues. I think that was one of the concerns. And now he's going to a prep school that doesn't even offer football. So, uh, you know, to be honest, Bloomington Jefferson, uh, they're a class three, a which is the second biggest class. They've been okay. I think he's kind of carried that team last year. They had over 20 wins uh, again, uh, but I think there were some questions, you know, how far the talent there could go. And I think he felt that maybe playing better competition, even in just in practice, was going to help him get ready for that next level. So I'm with Chris Mondragon, college basketball news, uh, minor draft news. How good do you think Marquette and Wisconsin are shaping up to be with their current rosters uh, heading into college basketball season coming up here in a few months? Yeah, I think Wisconsin, you know, a lot of people questioned how well they would do this past year with, you know, Losing some, you know, longtime players like Davidson and obviously Davis, who was a lottery pick. You know, I think they over maybe over exceeded expectations a little bit, but I think they have room to grow. Obviously, they have a lot of talent still coming back, a lot of fifth-year guys, and I think that will help them a lot. And, but Chris, and again, they like, don't have a difference maker. No, they that's don't the have question, a Johnny right. Davis, and that's the problem. Right, that's the big question mark you'd have. I think Winter has a chance to be a really good post player in the in the conference, he has the ability to step out. And he's a little bit stronger. Uh, if you remember his dad, Trevor, you know, he was kind of a physical guy who shot yep. five feet away from the hoop. You know, Nolan's more of a player can step out. But you're right. I think that is the big question mark, uh, you know, whether or not they have a player that can get them over the hump. And that's the big question mark with them. Um, you know, Marquette, like I, I think, you know, with another year under Coach Smart, I think we'll make another leap. You know, and again, I think they had you know, a very good season and maybe overachieved or maybe over exceeded expectations. But I think both of them have a chance to be good. And I, I know people have kind of questioned, you know, Wisconsin, you know, you know, I know there's some grumbling about the coaching staff, but I, I think they have a good chance of bouncing back and having a, a much better year next year. What are your thoughts about USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten? And what are Minnesota's yeah. thoughts as well, I guess? Yeah, obviously it's interesting because, you you know, they announced the football schedules the other day, yep. and, you know, because the Gophers, I think the last time they were actually in the Rose Bowl was in the 60s, you know. So, you know, people are excited about at least going to the Rose Bowl. There's thought, you know, maybe you could get there. Uh, so I think that's fun. You know, the, the travel aspects, you kind of wonder about that, especially with some of the other sports. But I think it's interesting, you know, 
Uh, the expansion, I think, has been pretty good overall. I mean, Penn State, Nebraska, although Nebraska, especially football-wise, haven't been what they used to be. You know, Rutgers and Maryland, you know, as a Big Ten person, I could argue, I don't know exactly what they've added to the Agreed. conference, really. Uh, but, you know, USC, UCLA, you got some glamour teams, you know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that changes the recruiting at all. They'll, those two schools will recruit more, you know, maybe recruit some Midwest players. You know, that's something they really haven't had to do. Uh, there's so many great players out there. But I, I'm excited about it. You know, you get to see some different teams. It's kind of fun. Even I look at baseball, I have season tickets for the Twins. It's kind of nice. This year, you're not seeing, you know, Detroit, you know, Cleveland, Kansas City, the same teams, you know, 19 times. You're getting to see some more teams. So I think that will be kind of fun to, to see a, a UCLA or UCA, USC at least once or twice uh, every couple of years in basketball and football. So I think that's kind of fun. You know, the travel, you know, to me is weird. And, you know, I still like the old traditions, you know, like for me, when I look at West Virginia being part of the big 12, you know, I just like, what, what is that? And even now right. you had central Florida and, and some of these other schools, so, you know, so it's uh, kind of different, obviously, if you're kind of a traditionalist, which maybe I am, but I, I think it'll be good for the conference. And obviously, you know, the, the people knocked the, uh, Big Ten West, especially in football, because you had the better teams, especially the Michigans, the Penn States, the, the Ohio States. Now, obviously, without the divisions and conferences, you know, within there, it'll be a little bit more balanced. But I think maybe adding some more top teams will make it more exciting and not maybe having the, the divisions in the Big Ten title game could make a better game. It might be a repeat of, you know, a Michigan-Ohio State back-to-back weeks, which maybe might not be great. But I think, you know, if those are the two best teams. That's who I want to see. Their sole goal should be getting Notre Dame at all costs. That, that's all this should be yeah, about definitely. going forward. Because yeah. if you get Notre Dame, then it's over. Then I don't care where everybody right. else goes. If you get Notre Dame, it's over at that point. The Big Ten are going to be in the catbird seat going forward. Right. And you look at, you know, the old days. I mean, Notre Dame used to always play Purdue. They used to play yep. Michigan a lot, Michigan State. You know, so it's not so unusual. And obviously the recruiting bases, you know, they recruit nationally. But, yeah, I mean, you're right there in Indiana. You'd have great – great uh you know rivalries with indiana and purdue that you could get, bring back and yeah even now you know the acc i think makes a little sense at least for 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 the limited schedule for football and of course you have a conference for basketball and other sports but yeah i think notre dame just makes too much sense for the big 10 but obviously it's all money and, and the contracts with the uh, nbc sports for your, the football makes it a little difficult to, to do some of those things they'd like to do because i think ideally like you said i think big 10 would love to have notre dame no doubt about it. He is Chris Monter, great dude. Check him out. College basketball news, and of course, Monter draft news as well. Follow him on Twitter at College BB News. How do people sign up uh, for either of those? They can check out the website again, College Basketball News. Follow me on Twitter at College BB News. I tweet a lot about uh, basketball, obviously, but I'm a big concert fan. We talked off air. I go to, can you I please go to a lot of concerts. Hold on a second. How <laughs> many concerts did you go to last year? Uh, yeah, my record was 104. Then, of course, we had COVID. Uh, so my goal had been every year to kind of try and go to a few more and I'm a writer. So I keep them on my phone, the list of concerts. Cause you know, in the old days you'd write like a note or put something on your calendar. Uh, but, uh, last year I went to 169 shows. Uh, I felt like, and we talked a little bit off air Minnesota, I feel like is a good area for concerts because you have a lot of venues here, especially we have the target center where the Timberwolves play. And then you have the wild play at the XL energy center in St. Paul. And those venues are obviously looking for concerts or other things to occupy themselves besides those 41 games. So they're kind of competing. So I feel like we get a lot of bigger name concerts and maybe other cities. And then we have a few uh, casinos, Mystic Lake, uh, Treasure Island that have casinos. 
uh, and have amphitheaters or indoor shows. And there's a lot of music festivals, uh, especially during the summertime. We had talked a little bit about Summerfest. That's one of the things I surprised. And a lot of my friends are surprised I've never made it to Summerfest. Usually there's always some kind of a conflict, but I need to get out there. But yeah, I try to go to show whenever I don't have a Twins game or a Timberwolf game or a Wild or a Gopher game. But uh, a lot of times I try and double dip if I can and, and try and hit more than one thing. I know this week uh, I got like five concerts in line, but the Twins are in town. So I'm going to try and double dip as much as I can and catch uh, the Twins, especially uh, next couple nights against the Brewers will be fun games on Tuesday night, Wednesday during the day. You got to understand, he sent me the list of all of these concerts. <laughs> I mean, you've got Young Gravy, Elton John, the Beach Boys, Andy Grammer, the Killers, the Doobie Brothers. Uh, let's see, what else does he have in here? Michael Buble. Uh, let's see, some of the other ones. Pitbull is on here. He saw last year. <laughs> Martina McBride, Boy George and the Culture Club, ZZ Top, Def Leppard. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. Kenny Chesney, a lot of country guys uh, in here uh, as well. But, I mean, it is literally all over the place, <laughs> and it's insane. Like, how do you how do you hit two concerts on the same night? Like, June yeah, 16th, sometimes... Christina Perry and Rex Orange County, and they're two different places. Yeah, well, the other nice thing is we got a lot of big radio stations, and they do uh, some, like, promotional shows. Like, the other day, Thursday, I saw um, Shinedown, their lead singer and guitar player, were playing at a local nice dock area so it was kind of nice because i actually just saw him at target center in front of like 11 12 000 people this was like a, a 400 person thing and then there's a concert at the armory which is another great venue uh the armory if you recall might was a armory a real armory but also is where the the minneapolis lakers before they moved to los angeles that's where they played and they restored it a few years ago for the super bowl into a concert venue so they have probably you know 80, 80 shows there a year. So it's kind of a, a good mid-size. Because that was the one problem I always had with Minnesota. We got the bigger shows, but we didn't have any amphitheaters or mid-size shows. Right. So a lot of times they go to, you know, uh, Ohio has a a, a, a a venue for amphitheater. Michigan does. Indiana. I'm not sure Wisconsin, what their amphitheaters are like. But a lot of places that amphitheaters, we did. Now Now the, the talk is that there's one in St. Cloud, Minnesota, one in Mankato, and they're building water, maybe two in the Twin City, Cities area. So you kind of wonder if it's going to be almost too much. But uh, yeah, it's got, so uh, I know a couple of weeks, I have a couple couple of different shows the same day. So yeah, the main yeah. the main show that you have to buy tickets for is at the amphitheater at Summerfest Grounds. So that yeah, right. is, there we go. That's, the, that. that's the main event shows. And then you got all the free shows and all the side stages all over the place right. on the rest of the grounds. Again, you'd be in, you'd be in music heaven guaranteed. Yeah, definitely. Best show you saw in 2022 out of the 165 that you mm. saw. Uh, I mean, Elton John was pretty good. Cause you, you know, you never know with those artists, if you're going to see them again, I remember going to uh rock fest in cadet wisconsin saw chris cornell and unfortunately you know four days later he passed away Oof. saw tom petty a few months before he passed away so you just never know with some of these artists but i think elton john you know all the great hits you know uh to see him you know supposedly one last time we'll see it, it's been his last tour a couple times so we'll yep. see but that that was up there you know a lot of big name uh i'm not like a huge huge country fan but i've gotten more into it lately but the nice thing, Minnesota seems to be a big country market. We had Kenny Chesney, Luke Holmes was here just a few weeks ago. Uh, a lot of the big country artists will play at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Viking Stadium. And this year, uh, Taylor Swift's coming there for two days. Ed Sheeran, um, Luke Holmes was there the other week. So a lot of nice. the concerts coming to those. Uh, Target Field, we got 
Pink is coming there soon. They're going to do a Twin City Summer Fest, which is going to be the Killers, uh, Imagine Dragons, AJR, and then uh, Huntington Bank Skating, where the Gopher football team plays. They're going to have Beyonce. So we get. They should do a concert series raising money to put a roof on that stadium. Yeah, right. We need to work on that next. So that'll be the thing. So crazy. My buddy Robbie Makloff used to work at Score North, and he had a whole hashtag put a roof on it. Uh, and was going after the Twins organization for not getting it done, and then come to find out, it sounds like the city didn't want to approve the additional money to put the roof on it, even though they wanted to put the roof on it. But obviously, they're owners, so they don't want to spend their own money. So that's right, of course, kind of that whole whole deal. Follow Chris Miner on Twitter at College BB News. Chris Miner, College Basketball News and Miner Draft News. Always fun to have you on, Chris. We'll talk to you again in the future, buddy. Have a good one. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Have a great day. Have a good one.